You're listening to Thankful, a sermon series about Christian gratitude. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. All right, how are we doing? We're doing good. Everybody excited to be here? Look at the person sitting next to you and tell them, you know, you're so excited for them. Yeah, they, 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 you know they're excited because they get to sit by you, so you're excited for them. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews. I'm one of the pastors here at Elevate Church, and I'm so glad that you are joining us. I know Pastor Josh just did the bulletin, kind of gave you guys some announcements, but I wanted to just kind of do one quick announcement just to thank you, actually. Uh, last week, we asked for some help back in our nursery area. Uh, we needed to move everything out. We needed to paint six rooms and a lobby back there and uh, because we were getting new carpet replaced. And uh, we had about 20 people, 20 people stay. And so, uh, man, we got everything knocked out. It looks amazing. So if you helped with that, I just want to say thank you. I was amazed. Really, we painted all of that area like in two and a half hours. And so like when I, I was, we had a couple of people that were cutting in. Y'all know what cutting in is, right? When you're painting. And man, they were, whoop, whoop, whoop. man, I have to go real slow when it's me and I got to stick my tongue out. I can concentrate. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You kind of like that. But man, they did it so fast. I was so jealous. But again, I just want to say thank you. It looks great uh, back there. And so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, that's really the only announcements that I got, uh, but I, uh, so let's get to the message. We are in a series that we are calling Thankful. See, it's the Thanksgiving season. It's a time that's been set up for you and I really to consider all the things that we have that we should be thankful for. But the, the truth is, scheduling a time to be thankful is a little odd. At least it is uh, to me. I mean, I love turkey. I love mac and cheese. I love sweet potato casserole. You know, the kind with the brown sugar on top, so it's real good and healthy for you. I, I love that. I, I love rolls. I, 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 love, I love, sometimes we get chicken wings for, for Thanksgiving. I, I love all the food. I, I love to get together with the family on Thanksgiving. But come on, you know, once a year, hey, let's be thankful on the fourth Thursday of, of every November of uh, every year. Uh, let's be thankful on that, that one day. Again, it, it seems uh, kind of kind of odd uh, to me because we're supposed to be thankful all year, right? Like if someone does something for you and you know, you know about it, you don't say, hey, I'll thank you when Thanksgiving rolls around, okay? Like with my wife, if she did something for me, I'm not going to look at her and say nothing. If I did that, she would dot my eye. You know what I'm saying? When she does something, I thank her. I sing praises. Uh, I sing songs to her. Baby, I love you. Again, when somebody does something for you, you're supposed to thank them right then and there. So again, this idea of Really just being thankful uh, once a year, it's kind of odd, especially when you read the scriptures, especially when you read scriptures like this verse, which found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. This verse says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, what is God's will for those who belong to Christ Jesus? It's to be thankful in all circumstances. How many of y'all know circumstances happen way more often than just the fourth Thursday of every November, right? Circumstances happen all year. Situations happen all year, not just 
again on the fourth Thursday of November. And so it's nice to have a holiday. It's nice to get a day off of work. It's nice to hang out with the family. But Christians really need to move from Thanksgiving to thanks living. And what I mean by that is that you and I actually need to live our lives as an expression of our thankfulness and gratefulness to God for who He is and for what He has done because that's God's will for everyone who belongs to Jesus Christ, to be thankful in all circumstances. And so in this series, what we're doing is we are talking about ways that we can express our thankfulness to God because really if you're going to be thankful, it requires more than just saying that you are thankful. Again, we show people what we believe by our actions. And so again, we're talking about ways that we can express our thankfulness. Last week we said, hey, if you want to be thankful for who God is and for what God has done, what do you need to do for God? You need to witness for God. You need to be a faithful witness, a bold witness. And today I want to talk to you about service. If you are thankful for God and what God has done for you. Again, we, we're going to, to serve. But let me show you a, a little story, really, that, that illustrates this. It's found in Acts chapter 16. you got to see this. Uh, in Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 16, the Bible says, Once when we were going to the place of prayer. Now let me stop for just a second because the place of prayer, that would have been like the house of prayer. It would have been like the house of God. It was a place where believers gathered and they prayed together and they sang together, kind of like church today. So they're headed there and the Bible says that we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. Now this we, first off, is Paul and Silas. And here they meet somebody who has a spirit and they're able to predict the future. This little girl, this girl might have been something like what we would say today is a psychic, a psychic. You know, somebody that you call and you give them your name and your age and then they tell you about everything that's going to happen to you in your life, how you're going to find happiness at the end of a dirt road. If you listen to Y101, they say that all the time. But anyway, uh, these psychics, they make money by convincing us that they're able to see into the future. And this is a true story. On May 30th, 2017, there was actually a psychic from Arizona who was visiting Canada. And this is a true story. This psychic visiting Canada was hit by a car while they were walking. Hit by a car. Man, true story. Uh, this psychic never saw it coming. Man, that's good. Come on now, that's funny. That don't make me work for that. But true story, though, okay? But again, uh, but again this, this woman, she, this girl, she has a spirit by which she predicted the future. In the Greek, it's actually said it's called a spirit of ventriloquism. Uh, what would happen is you've seen those ventriloquists, what they have is a doll that they cause to say things, and really they're the ones that's controlling the doll. They're not real. If you don't know that, the dolls aren't real. But in this particular issue, this, this little girl has an evil spirit that basically possesses her and gives her this ability. And so the Bible goes on to say that she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. Verse 17, she followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now, this sounds like a good thing just uh, when you look at it on the surface. Again, she's telling people, hey, these people are here to tell you about God. These people are here to tell you about Jesus. These people are here to tell you how to be saved. It sounds like a 
good thing. But you see that word shouting right there? That word shouting in the Greek actually means to shriek. It means to shriek, not streak. Those are two completely different things. But shriek, okay? So this lady here is shrieking. She's crying. How many of y'all got kids today? You got kids. Uh, how many of y'all's kids have ever thrown a fit? You know what I mean? Like shrieking, you know what I'm saying? Not shrieking, shrieking. So my, my kids, they, they, they get bent out of shape about some things. And Lawson's at that age. When you tell Lawson no, you know what he does? He pokes that lip out, and then he, and he's like moving and doing all this crazy stuff. He learned it from Amanda. I don't know what the deal is. But that's kind of how this girl is acting in this story. See, she is, she is screaming. She's shouting. She's throwing a fit. And verse 18 says, she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed, and I can, I can understand this, because how many of y'all have ever been annoyed with your kids? You know what I mean? Man, I've been at Walmart, and I've seen some kids that I don't even know that I get annoyed with, and they're shrieking and streaking. You know what I'm saying? They're mad about stuff, ah, throwing fits. And so Paul, this is not his child, so he can't whoop his child, this child, right? So he's so annoyed. Watch what he does. He turns around, and he says to the Spirit, he says this, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. Folks, this is a miracle. This is an amazing miracle. Something amazing has happened. And so watch what happens. Watch what happens. Verse 19. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar. By advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. So, what happens to them? They are stripped and beaten with rods rods they don't have clothes on to kind of soften the blows that they are receiving right they are stripped and they are beaten with rods verse 23 says after they had been severely flogged you'd think that this was the end man well they're going to get a little break but watch what happens after they've been severely flogged they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully he received these orders. He put, when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell. And the word in the Greek there is thrust. He threw them basically into the inner cell of this prison. And watch what happens. And fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, I don't want you to think that, that Paul and Silas just were chained. They had their feet chained together. That's not what's happened here. In, in the Greek, what's happening is they actually made these, these wooden stocks that were kind of long, and it, it forced your legs to be spread so that if you tried to move your legs or move your ankles, it would cause excruciating pain. Now then, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know uh, what, what the prison attire was for Paul and Silas. We're not told they're given orange jumpsuits or anything like that. What was the last thing that we heard about them? That they were what? Stripped and beaten. So imagine... They're stripped, beaten, they're bruised, they're bloodied, they're, 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 man, they're just a mess. This is a bad day, and their feet are spread like this to where they can't hardly move. I mean, again, this is a bad day. If this was you and I going through this, I mean, how would we feel? How would we respond? We'd say, God, I'm sitting here telling people about you. God, I'm sitting here telling people how to be saved. I'm, I'm telling people about Jesus. I'm living my life Right, I'm doing everything right. Why in the world is this happening? We'd 
be mad. We'd be upset. Well, look at how Paul and Silas respond here. Again, their, their feet are fastened in stocks. They're in a rough spot. Look what happens in verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. What? They are praying and singing hymns to God, hymns of praise, hymns, hymns to God, man. What in the world? How in the world are they thankful in this situation? How in the world are they thankful in these circumstances? What kind of drugs are, are they on, right? How, how drunk are they? Well, the truth of the matter is they're not drunk on the spirits. They're not drunk on wine. They are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they understand the Scripture is true, that no matter what your situation is, no matter what your circumstances are, you should always be Thankful. Be thankful in every circumstance. Be thankful in all circumstances. And so the question today is, are you thankful? Are you thankful? Even if things in your life might not be going the way that you want them to, are you thankful? Maybe things are tough at home. Are you still thankful? Maybe things are tough at work. They're tough at school. Maybe they're tough for you physically. You've got some, some physical ailments. Maybe they're tough for you financially. Are you still thankful to God for who He is and for what He has done? Do your actions prove it? Paul and Silas says their actions proved that they were thankful. It wasn't just the fact that they said they were thankful. They, they really were. They were thankful. And so today, again, what I want to talk to you about is how if we are thankful to God, we'll serve. If we're thankful for God, what He's done for us, we will serve. Uh, uh, I mean, I want you to understand, though, that serving uh, goes against our sinful nature. It does. Serving actually even rubs against the grain of what society teaches you and what society teaches me. Think about when most people are younger, when they want to grow up, are they thinking, you know, I sure would love to be a servant when I grow up, or are they thinking, I'd like to have servants? I'd like to have servants, right? See, when I was a kid, I don't know how many of y'all remember this show, but when I was a kid, there was a show that had Robin Leach in it, and it was called Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Anybody, does anybody remember that show? I don't know what happened to that show, but, man, they would take you in. They would show you all these rich folks' houses. They would show you their yachts. They would show you their cars. But then when I became a teenager, MTV kind of came up with a show that was very similar, and it was called MTV Cribs. Anybody, anybody remember MTV Cribs? Come on, y'all. Y'all be watching MTV. Uh, and so so at, at MTV Cribs, and what would happen is this rapper, this celebrity, this ball player, they would, they would open up the door to their house, basically invite you in, and you'd get to see how they, they lived, and you'd go in there, and their bed was always made. They had a maid or something that would pick up after them, right? They'd show you their, their refrigerator, and it was always stocked and perfectly arranged and you'd see their swimming pool their their bowling alley you'd see their basketball court you'd see all these things you know what I mean and and they had all this stuff they had a personal chef they'd walk in there and the chef's like cooking filet mignon I remember watching that show and I'm going man when I get older I'm gonna have all that I'm gonna have a maid that picks up after me 
I'm going to have a chef, and I'm happy to report to you that now that I'm older, I have all of that. I got something that picks up at, at, at my house. It's called a vacuum, right? And I got a chef. It's called Boyardee. You know what I mean? I got all those things, man. Things might not have worked out how I thought they would, but I'm thankful. But truthfully, when you're growing up, you don't grow up thinking, man, when I get, when I get older, I want to be a servant. You're not, you're not thinking that we grow up wanting to be served. We, we grow up actually wanting to be the best, right? Kids, when they're playing sports and stuff like that, they, they think, man, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be the greatest. I'm going to be the GOAT. I'm going to be the greatest of all time. I'm going to be the greatest basketball player of all time. And I'll just settle the debate for you. The greatest basketball player of all time is Michael Jordan, right? It's not Kobe. It's not LeBron. It's Michael Jordan. I know some of y'all don't care, but it's true. He's the best ball player ever. But we don't want to grow up and just be, 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 be kind of good. We want to be the greatest. We want to we have servants. We don't want to serve. Even the disciples struggled with this concept about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. I'm serious. One night, on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, Jesus is having the last supper with the disciples, and there's this argument that breaks out among the disciples. And do you know what they're, they're arguing about? Who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to be the greatest? And, and as this argument is going on, man, I can just hear and, and see in my mind some of the things that some of these disciples were we're probably saying John, the disciple John, is probably like, well, of course, I'm, I'm the greatest because I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. That's like John, when you read the Gospel of John, when you read his writings, he refers to himself in the third person. John, the disciple that Jesus loved, he refers to himself that way. And so you're saying, well, John, doesn't Jesus love all the disciples? And John's like, that's beside the point. I'm John, the disciple that Jesus loves. He, he, he thinks I'm the greatest, and everybody's like, no, man, you're not the greatest. And then, oh, Peter, I can hear Peter stepping up and saying, dude, I'm the greatest. I'm going to be the greatest. Because you remember that one time I walked on water? All of y'all were acting like scared little girls, and it was just me and Jesus who walked on water. I'm going to be the greatest. And then as he's talking, Bartholomew was like, no, man, I'm going to be the greatest. And all the disciples look at Bartholomew, they're like, Man, we didn't even remember you were still a disciple. And so nobody's going to remember you. And so they're like, you're not going to be the greatest. And then everybody looked at Thomas because Thomas was talking. And Thomas was like, I doubt I'll be the greatest. And so, I mean, again, they're wondering the who's going to be the greatest. Who's going to be the greatest? And everybody's arguing. So Jesus looks around. And as this argument is going on about who's going to be the greatest, you can read all about this in Luke chapter 22. But he gets up. He gets up knowing that he came to serve and not to be served. He gets up and he sees his disciples with proud hearts and dirty feet. And you know what he does? He took off his outer cloak and he wraps a towel around his waist. He fills a bowl with water and he gets down on his knees and he washes his disciples' feet. He washes his disciples' feet. And in answer to who's going to be the greatest, he says this in Luke chapter 22, verse 25. He says, In this world, the kings and great men lord it over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank. And the leader should be like a servant. If you want to be great, what do you do? You serve. 
you serve. The book of Acts tells another very interesting story where this actually happens. It's in Acts chapter 9. See, in Acts chapter 9, Peter is traveling all over Judea. He's making his rounds. He's visiting the believers, making his rounds. He's even performing miracles. There's this one guy who's paralyzed, and Peter looks at him. He says, hey, man, in the name of Jesus, uh, I command you to be healed. And you know what happens? This guy who was paralyzed, he gets up and starts walking. It is amazing. So then you get to this verse in, Luke cha- in Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 36. And the Bible says, In Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. Now, how many of y'all have ever had a moment in your life where you just really hated your name? You thought, man, what were my parents thinking? You know what I mean? I wonder if Dorcas ever had a moment where she thought, man, what was my dad thinking? Dorcas. Dorcas, we got some people here expecting a girl. I guarantee you, you're not going to call her Dorcas. You're not going to call her Dorcas. But that's her name. In the Greek, her name is Dorcas. And it says this, though, about her. She was always doing good and helping the poor. Everybody say always. Do it again. Always. She was always doing good and helping the poor. A question for you and a question for me is what are we known for always doing. What are you known for always doing? Are you known for always sitting on the couch? Are you known for always playing around? Are you known for always complaining? Are you known for always arguing? Are you known for always yelling? Are you known for always being angry? What are you known for always doing? Because wouldn't it be nice to be known for always doing good and helping the poor. Wouldn't that be nice to be known that way? She was always doing good and helping the poor. She was a blessing to the people in her city. Everybody who knew her knew of her deeds and the deeds that she was performing. They didn't just know about them. They had actually seen them. She was always doing good and helping the poor. Well, about that time that Peter is making his rounds in Joppa, watch what happens. About that time, she became sick, and she died. She died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Folks, this was devastating. This was a major blow to the church. This was a major loss for the church. The entire church is in mourning. Her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. And verse 38 says, Lydda was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they heard that Peter was nearby, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the, windows stood, all the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with him. So do you see this? Again, this woman who was always known for doing good and helping the poor. They take Peter to where she is. And when he gets in there, there's people everywhere. And they're actually, they have proof of her good deeds. Look what she made for us when we didn't have anything. Look what she made for my little child when, when he was born, when she was born. Look at, how, look at how she helped us. And so why in the world, though, do they send for Peter? Why in the world do they send for Peter? We're, we're not told that Peter and Dorcas were old high school friends. We're not told that 
Peter and Dorcas maybe had a summer fling one, one year at summer camp. We're not told any of that. So why in the world do they send for Peter? Why do, they, why do they send for Peter? There's only really two possibilities. One is that they want Peter to come in, say some words to honor this great servant. Or two, they're hoping that Peter can raise her from the dead. So watch what happens in verse 40. The Bible says Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed, turning toward the dead woman. He said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. Now, why in the world does Peter send everybody out of the room for this to take place? But I'll tell you why. Because this is some haunting of Hill House stuff, right? I mean, if you're in the room with a dead person, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, you know, they open their eyes. I mean, you know, that's crazy stuff, right? They are on the second story of a building. But I can promise you, I'd have jumped out the window. I'd have been scared to death. And so he sends everybody out of the room, sends everybody out of the room, and he says, get up. And guess what? She gets up. Verse 41. Then he took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa. Now, let me stop. It became known all over Joppa. Why? Because, again, this wasn't just anybody who had been resurrected from the dead. This was somebody who everybody knew. Why did everybody know her? Because she was always doing good, and she was always helping the poor. So when she died, everybody knew about it. It was hurting everybody. And so now this person who had always done good and always helped the poor, she raises from the dead, and the whole community is shook about it. And the rest of verse 42 says, and many people believed in the Lord. Listen to me. God honored Tabitha. God honored Tabitha. He allowed her death and resurrection to bring people to salvation. That's how important it is to serve. Because you serve, because I serve, because we serve Someone will come to faith in Jesus Christ because we serve. God honors his servants. See, Jesus one time is talking to his disciples. He tells this story. He says, look, there's going to come a day when I'm going to separate everybody into two groups. I'm going to put my sheep on, on the right. I'm going to put my servants on the right. And I'm going to put the goats on the left, the people who thought they were the greatest, the people who weren't willing to serve, the people who didn't want to be servants and instead wanted servants. I'm going to put them on my left, and I'm going to say to my, my sheep on the right, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, because when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was in prison and alone, you came and you visited me. And the, and the, and the, the sheep are going to say, Lord, Je Jesus, when did we see you thirsty? When did we see you hungry? When did we see you naked and alone? When did we see that? And Jesus is going to look at his servants and he's going to say, hey, whatever you did for other people, you also did for me. You also did for me because you served. Man, enter in to the joy of the Lord. And, 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 and then Jesus is going to look at the goats. He's going to look at the, the goats and, 
And, and, and he's going to say, hey, you know what? Things are different for you. You know, you walked right by every opportunity you had to serve. You, you walked right by all these opportunities to do something. And, and they're going to say, yeah, but Jesus, when did we do that? We never walked by you. We, we never failed to serve you. And Jesus is going to look at those goats. And he's going to say, whatever you did not do. Whatever you did not do for the least of these brethren of mine. You also did to me. Because you walked right past opportunities to serve. Depart from me. You're cursed. I never knew you. Folks, I'm telling you, serving is that important. We serve because Christ gave us an example. We also serve, though, as a grateful and thankful response to all that Christ has done for us. John Wesley, who founded the Methodist Church, is quoted as saying, Do all the good that you can, by all the means that you can, in all the ways that you can, in all the places that you can, at all the times that you can, to all the people you can, as long as you can. Do all the good you can. Serve. See, I'm wrapping up. Almost done. But I was thinking about how to really kind of illustrate this. And I think a lot of us look at our life, we view our life kind of like this cup of water. This is mine. Once it's gone, it's, it's gone. And so what we say is, God, I'll serve a little. We sprinkle. Here's a little dab, God, just for you. Just for you, man. It's just for you, God. But if I get rid of all of this, if I get rid of all of this, I won't have any more. So, so i got to hang on. I gotta hang on to this. I gotta hang on to, to, to this. But folks, that's not what God wants. See, the Apostle Paul one time is talking to a young Timothy. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, I want you to see what he says. This is Paul. He says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. So Paul doesn't say, I. I sprinkle a little. Paul doesn't even say, hey, I pour out a little. Paul says, I am being poured out. Why? Because he says that the time of my departure is near. Well, do you know that the time for your departure, the time for your departure, the time for my departure is near? Did you know that? I mean, the Bible says that you know, we're here today and we're gone tomorrow. The Bible says that your life is a mist that appears for a little while. And then guess what happens to it? It vanishes. It vanishes. So we don't sprinkle a little bit of ourselves out in service. No, no, no. That's not what we do. What do we do? We pour ourselves out. We pour ourselves out. Out And then when you're empty, you know what you do? Watch this. When you're empty, you go to the living well. And you fill yourself back up. And then you know what you do? You pour yourself out again. 
And when you're empty, you know what you do? Back to the living well. And you know what you do? You pour yourself out again. You pour yourself out again. As a Christian, as a follower of Christ, you know what we do? We wake up, we serve, we repeat. We wake up, we serve, we repeat. We wake up, we serve, we repeat. That's what we do. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. Look at what it says. Let us not become weary in doing good. Don't get tired. Don't get too tired to serve. We don't get too tired to serve. We fill ourselves up and pour ourselves out over and over and over again. But people aren't noticing me. It doesn't matter. Pour yourself out, right? But people aren't, people aren't noticing what I'm doing. It doesn't matter. You're not doing it for them anyway. You're pouring yourself out for to the Lord. That's what you're, that's what you're doing. You don't think somebody else will serve if I don't. No. You pour yourself out and serve. Think about the disciples. There was a time when there was just multitudes of people everywhere. And they're like, Jesus, man, it's time for us to eat. We're tired. Those people are hungry. Send them home. Send them home. We're, we need a break. You know what Jesus says? No. You serve them. You sit them down. You give them something to eat. But we don't have much left, Jesus. Pour yourself out. Serve. Pour yourself out. Man, I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I've never noticed this before. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 55 says this. Or verse 15, I'm sorry. Paul says, I beseech you, brethren. I'm begging you. I'm begging you. You know the house of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of the Achaia. So what's happening here, these are the first converts, the house of Stephanus. And that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. They've what? Addicted themselves to serving. They had an addiction. Have you ever been around somebody who's got an addiction? Huh? Man, I gotta, I gotta get some. Man, that's what's happening here. These guys were addicted. I gotta serve. I got where can I serve? Where can I serve? What can I do? I gotta do it. They were addicted to serving. Paul says, I beg you that you submit yourselves unto such that you be just like that. I beg you to be just like that. Again, folks, we can't repay God for what he's done for us. But we can show him that we're thankful by the way we live our lives. By being a faithful witness. By being a faithful servant. What are you known for always doing? Serving or being served? Serving or being served? We prove our thankfulness by our actions. So with every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, today we pray that you would stir our hearts and our minds to service. Father, that we would not grow weary or tired of serving. That we would pour ourselves out continually because that's what you did for us. As we continue to pray, I wonder today, 
maybe you're here and you'd admit, you know, I, I've kind of been serving myself only. Here's the deal. Tabitha might have been known for always doing good and helping the poor by the people around her. But honestly, what does God know you for always doing? Does God know you as somebody who's always serving or somebody who's just there for yourself? So if you'd say, Pastor, pray for me that I'll become more of a servant. Pray for me that I'll be who it is that God wants me to be. If that's you, you just want some prayer today. If you just lift your hand, I want to pray for you. Amen. Amen. A lot of hands. Amen. Father, help us to be servants. Help us to be servants. Help us to be like Christ. Help us, Father, to follow the example that your son has given us. Father, we want to pour ourselves out to you, not sprinkle ourselves out to you, not, not give you just a little. We want to give you all of ourselves, and then we pray that you would fill us up so that we can pour ourselves out again. I wonder today also as we pray, if you're here and maybe you don't know Jesus Christ, I want you to know he literally shed his blood. He poured his blood out. His body was broken for you because he loves you. He loves you and he's calling today for you to come home, for you to come to him. You say, Pastor, I just, I just don't know that God loves me. I'm telling you, he loves you more than you'll ever know more than you'll ever know and he wants to change you into a new person he wants to fill you with his holy spirit so if you're here today and you know that today you need to surrender to him you need to be saved i'm gonna ask that you just pray this prayer father forgive me for all my sins i confess you as lord i confess you as savior and i pray god that you would change me into a new person that the old really would be gone and that the new would come. Father, I pray that from this day forward, when people see me, they're not going to know me for what I used to do. They'll know me for what I'm doing now. And that is living for you. Hey, if you prayed to receive that prayer, if you prayed to receive Christ, again, nobody's looking around, it's just me, but if you prayed to receive Christ, you prayed to be saved today, I'm going to ask that you just lift your hand so that, so that I can know God's moving. Amen, amen, amen. Three, four, amen, amen. God is good. God, we give you praise today. We thank you today for saving us. We thank you today for new salvation. And I pray that we're not just saying we're thankful, Father. I pray that we're living out our thankfulness to you.